Greetings, one and all, to Red Voices. My name's Ewan Leonard, and thank you very much for joining us. We hope you've had a good international break. Is good the right word? Anyway, plenty to discuss. United's last gas victory over Hull City, the impending Manchester derby, bit of Bastian Schweinsteiger, and your Twitter questions. But first, an introduction to my colleague for this evening. Richard Kant, how the devil are you? I'm, I'm not too bad, thank you. I'm just recovering from another stupefying 90 minutes of watching England. I didn't even bother. Why did you put yourself through this? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I can't honestly explain it. It's just it's just it's habit, isn't it? I think. I mean, as it was with, as it was with LVG's United, you, you watched them out of habit. It, it's a macabre punishment, and I, I, is, I felt yeah. like reading through my timeline because obviously so many of you are watching it. I just felt like saying, "Look, you you don't have to do this. It's fine. Just go eat something. Go throw something around. It'll be fine. You can do something better with your evening." I tell I, I tell you what, though, it's it's. It's further given me an appreciation of the changes at United. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Um, you know, after after the the match we saw last week, comparing that to it's, it's Hodgson's, I was going to say Hodgson's England, but it's exactly the same <laughs> as Allardyce's England. Um, it you know it's it's pairing completely different things. So. Oh yeah, well, well, from one last gasp injury time victory to another, United's victory over Hull last weekend. Rich, you were away when you watched this, didn't you? I was. Yes. Yeah. All right. How, how we? What what sort of uh, environment were you in when you watched the game? <clears throat> I was I was sitting in in a Spanish villa watching it on the internet. Good grief! Uh, by the power of the, the wonderful power of the internet, but mm. um, it didn't uh, it didn't inhibit my enjoyment of the of the whole thing at all. No, oh, sounds good. It was a wondrous thing. It was it was a throwback to United teams of old. Well, I mean, we say old like what three years ago? A bit more than that. I I, I wrote something on Monday about it, and I I, could, I I don't know why I've got it in my head, but we used to play Blackburn. When we sort of between about two thousand six and two thousand eight or nine, maybe mm. even a bit longer on, used to play back, but Blackburn when they had Brad Friedel, and we just used to hammer them, and Friedel would have the game of his life every single time we played them, and I just remember the when we beat them in I think two thousand and eight as we were closing on the title and we were losing one nil, and it was an absolute Alamo for about half an hour, and then Tevez popped up with a header about two minutes from time and it was just absolute carnage oh it was wonderful um, I remember that and it just it just felt like that and we haven't had we haven't really had or haven't really seen United get up that that the head of steam and absolutely pan a team into submission um for really for quite a long time so you know it just it just increased the, the good vibes that are um, all around us at the moment. Yeah, it did. Uh, I was watching it from uh, from a Welsh cottage. I was back in the homeland. I don't know if I noticed. I don't know if I mentioned this before, Rich, but uh, I'm Welsh. So yeah, there we go. I hadn't heard that. No, really, no, in- incredible, yeah. incredible. I don't talk about it very often. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, lots of uh, silent screaming and uh, punching the sofa when that goal went in. I, I honestly, mm. looking back on that game, I still feel the same way. Even I could watch that whole game through. And I would feel that we still weren't going to score as we got up to stoppage time. Before then, I kept looking at the clock, looking at sort of 50 minutes, 60 minutes, 70 minutes, thinking, all right, still time, still time. Whenever you get into stoppage time after that, you just think, it's going to take so long to create something. They've been going for so long. I don't see where this goal is coming from. And to be honest, I really didn't see us scoring that one. But I really appreciated the fact that there was this change in in mood in terms of our approach. You know, you, uh, We're going to do this constantly, and that's fine this season. But you look at that game last season, by the time you get to the last 10-15 minutes, United would have trailed off into oblivion and nothing would have happened. In that game, we kept going, we kept trying stuff, and it wasn't always successful, but Hull just seemed to get worn down absolutely towards the end of that game. And I can't overestimate how wonderful it was to watch United take a situation at nil-nil with Hull sat with everyone behind the ball and keep going until the 94th minute and say, no, we're not happy with a draw, we want to go for a win. It, it would it would be so different to a, to an LVG game, wouldn't it? We'd, we'd even in the 80th minute, we'd still be patiently passing it around the back four and around the midfield and just praying that some someone would fall over and the, <laughs> a chance a single chance would fall to us. You know, we we I think we had 29 shots against Hull. I'm um, have to check which, that on records, but I think that's more shots than we had of the whole last season. Yeah, well, exactly. And there's I mean, no reason to discount me on that, is there? No reason to doubt. Absolutely not, but I mean that's that's probably about two two months worth of our shots away from home Good last grief. season. You, you know the, the the difference is absolutely obscene, and, and it, as you say, I, I think Van Gaal would have settled for a for a for a nil nil, 
and then he'd be saying, you know, it just wasn't our day. And he, you know, he'd just sort of be making excuses, but wouldn't appear to be particularly bothered by the fact that we were still fifth and we'd just drawn against Hull. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, for Mourinho, it's we're back to that mindset of, of, of win or bust, aren't we? Um, it, you know, a draw is never acceptable. We have to win every game. Uh, and, and it was, we played it in a very similar way to that Fergie used to, that he would just gamble. Um, I, 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 another game I remember in the, the 2006-2007 season when we played Fulham away um, in the run-in and we were a goal down and Giggs equalised. And then I remember uh, Fergie just stuck on five five attackers. <laughs> yeah. And and we won that game 2-1 with, with, with Ronaldo's goal. But it was just a case of this, a draw is absolutely no good to us. I'm just going to chuck everything at them. And that's exactly what we did. And we just ground Hull down to the point where they, they just couldn't stand anymore. And then it, it was just typical United. It just it was a cherry on the cake. It was typical United that we, we would get the goal right at the end. Mm. And it was it was such a throwback to what we've been so used to and what we've completely lost in the last in the last three years. Yeah. I mean, we'll, so, we'll come back to the, to the, the moment of wonder that gave us that goal uh, slightly later on. Uh, let's have a look at the first half and how sort of things got going. I mean, vintage United seems like a gigantic stretch and, you know, Hull were very compact and they defended very well. I, th- I thought, you know, there were, there were a couple of moments here and there. I remember um, Shaw holding off Snodgrass after that Robertson cross. They were Mostly, I thought we handled the game quite well. And I thought in particular, you know, this is, I, I feel like this might be a running theme, another one of our many running themes this season. But, I'm just absolutely stunned thinking over the entire course of that game of looking at how Baye and Blind are playing together. It's miraculous. I adore it. I, I was going to say to you that, that, that one of the biggest differences this season is that, that last year, to avoid conceding goals, we had to defend as a team, or at least as um, with the defence and and at least two midfielders sitting in front of the defence. That was how we were able to, at times, keep clean sheets. And the difference now is that we've got a back four that we can actually trust to defend without having to commit two midfield players to, to screening them all the time. And we've essentially just given Fellaini that role, um, although he does drift forward. But it's quite ingenious in a way because we've given Fellaini a role where he's not required to run. Speaking of Fellaini, actually, as well, that's that's one of the big changes I noticed in that game in particular. He got that first half booking, didn't he? And mm. instantly, my mind was thinking, right, he's going. There's no way he's lasting this game. But fair fair play to him. He actually stuck in there. He didn't make any stupid challenges. He kept his nose mostly clean, you'd say. And there's yeah. just more calmness and control in them at the moment. He gave away two or three annoying free kicks in quite dangerous areas, which which was an echo of, and as I say, the booking as well, was an echo of Fellaini over the last couple of seasons. Well, it's Fellaini, you say, really, isn't it? We're, we're still well, not is, quite but, sure of this new Fellaini yet. No, but from that point, as you said, from that point, he um, he, he he stopped that. He got took that out of his game. He stopped making those stupid challenges and giving away the needless free kicks. And there was actually discipline to what he was doing, which he, he so rarely had um, in the past. And I think... It's the first time he's played in a midfield before, and he's played as a as a defensive midfielder. But I don't think he's ever been given such a, a strictly defined role that um, that negates his um, size. No, it, it, it negates his negative qualities. So he doesn't he doesn't need to be hugely mobile there. He doesn't need to have a great passing range. He just sits. He just sits. He wins. He gives the ball to Pogba or whoever else, and lets them do the do the do the crap, the you know, do the dirty work. But and the difference is that if under Van Hall, we wouldn't have Pogba, but the Pogba midfielder would also just be sitting in front of the back four. So when we broke forward, we don't we'd only have potentially four players actually breaking into the the opposition's half. Whereas now we've got he complements Pogba so well because Pogba is a midfielder who can be disciplined, and he was to a degree during the whole game, but he can also get forward and create and be a goal threat so we've actually opened up another dimension to our to our attacking play and we we've actually now got a defense with Bailey and um, Blint and Shaw and, and even Valencia even though he's defending is not always always perfect 
that the, the attacking players can trust and mm. Mourinho can trust it and he can say to the rest of his players be direct get forward get the ball forward and try and make things happen without having to we, we don't have to defend as a team anymore all the time we can we can just defend as a defense and let everybody else do their thing yeah I mean I think looking at Flaney in particular especially as that second half wore on he was sat pretty damn deep wasn't he he was there yeah. trying to block stuff up he did a very good job of breaking up play whenever our attacks broke down in the first half in particular in the second because you know Pogba and Rooney and Zlatan and Rashford and Martial all the all the other lads were were basically streaming forward and trying to make something happen it was noticeable that he did not get involved in that I mean Marouane Fellaini defensive midfielder I mean it's not quite as simple as that but he's doing a good job of sitting back and breaking up play and it's very very noticeable and it's definitely helping those ahead of him we did carve out some decent chances in that first half as well. You know, there was uh, there was Mata flashing the ball across goal, and Rooney sort of scuffed that shot. And then there's a Rooney free kick, and Zlatan sort of takes the ball around him, and then is able just you know you you imagined from that chance he was going to be able to back heel it into the net from a side angle. It, it was audacious, and I was expecting that to go in. He didn't again. I think with Zlatan because so much of what he does is going to be defined in what he does in front of goal. I think he might look at that game against Hull and say he perhaps wasn't quite on it. But at the same time, he still offered enough up front to say that he had you know, a fairly successful evening's work for the most I part. I don't think he's had an exceptional game for us yet. He's he scored um, he scored three exceptional goals in, a, in a, each individual way. You know, he, scored two, he scored two exceptional headers against very, very good defenders um, in the air. And he scored that the wonderful goal against Bournemouth. I don't think his all-round play or his hold-up play has been particularly special. But the point is that you've got a player there who the the opposition are frightened of and who can do something special out of nothing, mm. which is which is really what we missed last season. We missed that spontaneity and that ability to create something out of nothing. It was all just very, very predictable and slow. And we really only had Anthony Martial who could who had any sort of directness and who could actually produce something out of the ordinary. Mm. Speaking of Martial as well, uh, our good buddy Phil at Philmatic actually has got a question on this on the subject. And he asks, at what point is it okay to admit you're slightly worried that Martial is going to have second season syndrome? How do you respond to that? I think it's a bit early to to worry about that. I mean, he had a difficult um, Euros, didn't didn't play particularly well, and obviously France lost in that final. And we've he's had his rather well publicized domestic issues and he hasn't really had he hasn't really had a period of poor form for us you know he's just he's just struggling for confidence a bit at the moment i mean he scored for france friday friday i think yeah. um and you know that 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 will hopefully have done the world of good and against um against southampton he did a lot of really good things his his direct running and taking the ball plus players and getting into the box was great he just didn't have the confidence in his finishing to put the ball in the net and I think that I think that Mourinho will probably give him a bit more rope and hope he plays his way out of it, or he should give him a bit more rope and hope he plays his way out of it, because I don't think we've got an incredibly convincing alternative on the left on the left hand side anyway. He, mm. you know, Mourinho clearly doesn't rate uh, Memphis hugely, so unless he he thinks well maybe he could play Mkhitaryan there, I'm not really sure what other options he's got. So, and I think Martial is so important and so he has so much ability that you just have to he's one of those players you have to play him out of his slump rather than remove him from it. I don't and I don't think dropping him would, would help his confidence issues at all. So but I mean he is he is playing badly. He's not he, he's clearly not himself, he's not the player he was last year. It's always worrying when a player isn't playing to their potential, but I think it's very early to get too concerned about it yeah I'd, I'd agree with that I, I do think though to counteract that uh i would say that united certainly looked a bit more dangerous when martial and Mata came off again I, I thought juan had a good game you know i didn't think he played badly whatsoever i think that by not playing someone with a bit more natural pace on that right hand side someone who is less inclined to drift in a, as much as juan is and play a little bit less centrally I think by bringing Mkhitaryan and Rashford on, we just look more dangerous. I think you've got to remember as well, they're coming on against an absolutely knackered team. That is true. And you bring on that sort of pace. And, and I mean, I've seen, seen Mkhitaryan play for play for Dortmund a lot, but he, you don't always watch players quite as intently as you do when they play for your team. And 
the, the his ability to run with the ball with the ball you know virtually glued to his feet there was one terrific run he did in the second half where he picked the ball up in the center circle and just drove through three hull players as if they weren't there but what was interesting was that that Mkhitaryan came on and he he didn't go on the right hand side he Mourinho basically stuck him as a sort of floating number 10 and and put Rooney left and I think that playing playing behind the striker is probably Mkhitaryan's best best position so I'm not sure if he's an obvious alternative immediate alternative to matter on the right I, I I can see if Lingard gets fit I could see Mourinho playing him on that right hand side instead of matter Mm. Um, but what's been interesting in the in the first few games is that Mata hasn't played really played as a as an orthodox right winger or or right midfielder. He's had quite a quite a, a floating role, and we've we've relied enormously on the fullbacks for for our width. And Valencia is so effective at getting up up and down that line and taking on fullbacks and at least trying to deliver the ball. You know, he's miraculously seems to have his, his crossing itis has been cured. <laughs> That matter doesn't have to play right on the touchline. He can play a more of a floating role, and somebody else can create the width. And I think that's the only way you're going to get the best out of out of what matter can offer. But I I, I don't think he's a long term solution there. And, and it's just a shame that we're still kind of scratching around for what our best option on that right hand side is. Partially because we're accommodating someone just behind the striker. Yes, yeah, a, a certain we, special we, someone. We make people cross when we go when we go onto this subject, don't we? Uh, um, mm. It's difficult, you know. That the the um, the whole game really highlighted the positives and negatives of Rooney and and, really and, the quand- and the quandary over to whether whether he warrants his his place or not because he had another pretty patchy game. He didn't contribute enormously, although. You, know, you you can say the same with Ibrahimovic and Martial and hmm. Matter as well, but then he can do something like he did in the whatever ninety second minute and beat a player and create something out of nothing. Yeah, I mean it's the perfect uh, encapsulation of what Wayne Rooney is to United now. You know, there was that period of about two or three minutes in the first half where he was you know facing his goal, trying to play his way out of defence and lost the ball three times in a row, hmm. and then does that on El Mahamedi. And sets up the only properly incredibly clear ch- chance of the game, and we win. Mm. But and the, the question the question we have is whether anybody else can play in that number ten role and um, play effectively throughout the game and still create the chance a chance or score a goal. I I think that Mkhitaryan probably can, but I'm not sure that Mourinho's ready to to make that call and. And drop Rooney. No, well, I think that the rank cast said it this week as well. Uh, they mentioned that we're not quite at that stage yet, so I think we'll, we'll leave that the rest of that conversation for another day. But yeah, going back to moments in that uh, second half, there were a couple of hairy moments for our for our back four. I thought Bay and Blind, for the most part, did an incredible job of breaking play up and keeping moves going again. I think there were a couple of moments. There was Tom Huddleston's deflected shot uh, off Bay that you know had that been on target. Dave would have been absolutely stranded. And I don't think that Dave had one single save of note to make all evening. No, and but we that was at a stage when we were just committing so many players forward that there was always a danger that we could be caught on the on the counter attack. Yeah. You know, I think you have to accept that as a byproduct of of what we were doing and and it was absolutely the right thing to do to really go for that game. And you know, it's what it's what Fergie would have done, and, and you would expect with the players we have that at least sort of seven or eight times out of ten, we'd usually win that game or get the goal that we needed and not concede. But it, you know, there, there are no guarantees. We, you know, every team in the Premier League can score a goal, and they, they're they're competent enough to 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 catch the better teams out at times when they're vulnerable. Yeah. So that game was never safe. Um, I think there was in the first half as well. I think Snodgrass had a free kick, didn't he? I think it was one of the ones that that Fellaini gave away that that was very close as well. Mm. And but but we had to remember we're playing a team that were quite quite confident. They'd won their first two games. I I don't think they're much cop, and I imagine that that things will drop away be, because they have a, such a small squad and and players will get injured and they'll start to struggle. But they were a team who were very confident, and it looked for a very 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 long time like they might get the draw that perhaps their spirit deserved if not 
their, you know, if not their football. Yeah, I mean, there, there was that one moment right towards the end, not long before Rashford's goal, where Myla was on the edge of the box, and between Fellaini and Bay, they, they didn't quite get the ball clear. And, you know, Mayla had that shot from just outside the area that just fizzed over the bar. And you were just thinking, gosh, if against the better team, and I'm pretty sure we said this the previous week after the Southampton game, because Shane Long had a couple of chances at that game at Old Trafford, against the better team, you give them those chances if you're in a tight game like that and you've got a team that is slightly better equipped up front, then we could be looking at a couple of problems. But thankfully, we weren't, even though Hull were pretty damn excellent. Fair play. We, could, we could be looking at problems, but I don't think we'd we'd commit forward in those sorts of numbers against a more competent no no I think you're more right dangerous team so plus what am I whinging about it ended up all right Rich talk me through that goal make me happy it was it was just a thing of glory there was um, I think it was Shaw who who slipped the ball through to to Rooney and you know I, I've been I've been one of Rooney's fiercest critics at times in the last few years and but, but I've always thought that one of the, one of the biggest criticisms of him has been that he's you know, people say he's overweight or or not fit or whatever. But he he always he's always still he seems to still have that same sort of power and explosiveness explosiveness at the end of games that he has at the start. He doesn't seem to tire. And that goal was all about the right back being absolutely destroyed, you know, exhausted, mm-hmm. and and Rooney still having energy to 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 play it past him and beat him and actually put the perfect ball across across the six yard box for someone to to toe in it was interesting he said he couldn't he didn't actually see Rashford he was just sticking it in an area where he hoped that somebody would would come in and, and, and tap it in you know Rashford had already made a pretty significant contribution after he after he came on he was suddenly you know beating players all over the place which which well each England could have done was today really um and he I think he nearly scored early on when he kind of uh Sort of dribble past a couple of players on the edge of the box and and hit a low shot, which the keeper just just turned around. Yeah, and he and Mkhitaryan really changed that game. And he's just got a wonderful instinct for being in the right place at the right time as well. And he just made the perfect the perfect run between the two defenders to to be there when to, to tap it in. Yeah, and it's one of the biggest explosions of of joy for United goal that I've experienced for quite a long time. Um. Probably the cup final was one, obviously the, the Lingard goal, but but for for that game where, as you were saying earlier, it looked like we just weren't going to get that goal, and we'd hammered away at them. That we must have we must have had four or five chances in the last two or three minutes. I think there were two where they nearly scored own goals, and the the keeper touched them wide. And yeah, well, there, um, there was the handball as well. I think Milo was the guy who uh, stuck yeah, out was... his arm, so that could easily have gone another way. Uh, there was Mkhitaryan getting his shot blocked. He just took a little bit too long after he got crossed. Pogba put a couple wide as well, mm. and it just didn't look like it was going to be our day. It was one of those rare evenings where, considering that we haven't seen any of this all of last season, I got kind of frustrated with us taking so many long shots. Yeah, we're not used to we're not used to having players who shoot because I, I don't think Van Hal allowed them to have a pop from sort of twenty twenty five yards. So we're not we're not used to that. I think Ibrahimovic had a had a free kick that was that was going in and it was saved. Pogba had a few shots from range. He hasn't really kind of got his got his shooting range at United yet. He's not quite his form yet. He was a bit patchy. He gave the ball away a bit too much, and but he still was always a danger. And I think we're going to have to get used to players wanging him in from from distance. I mean, the the, the Ibrahimovic goal against Bournemouth was you know, one that that really excited because we just haven't seen a player take on a shot from 25, 30 yards and, and wham it in the corner. Mm. But it, it was, I think the, the number of long shots we're having was just as symbolic of the, the frustration that was building up that we just couldn't get that goal that, that we deserved. Yeah, I mean, we, we did deserve it, absolutely. You know, so many shots. We, again, I believe I mentioned this earlier on, but it was just great to see us trying so many different things. You know, crosses from... Both flanks, shots from distance, you know, when Rashford came on, being a bit more direct and just being willing to run at the whole defence. And I think that if you start someone like Mkhitaryan and Rashford perhaps in that game, then you might see a slightly different outcome and a slightly earlier goal. You know, that they, they got spooked by that. But yeah, mm. so great that it was Rashford as well. You know, there's, there's, there's been this weird narrative going on around him in the sense that, you know, Sam Allardyce, I didn't pick him because, you know, he hasn't played much this season. And... 
I mean, I understood it to a very basic extent where he kind of feels like he has to play the players that are currently playing, but you just watch how Rashford played such an important part in that game and not just the goal. You know, he was visibly took United up a notch as the Mkhitaryan when they both came on. And as as you mentioned, you know, the, the, the instinct to be in the box at the right place and to be to be in around that area, knowing them gambling that Rooney was going to get that ball in. It was a, you know, very easy finish for him because it was flashed across so well by Rooney. So fair play to him. And it's just a great moment for him. You know, it it must have been a little bit weird for him. And I don't necessarily think that he's struggled with it, but you've gone from a situation where, you know, he started playing in March for two solid months, going to play with England. And then suddenly it's not so much a reality check, but it's just a change of situation suddenly from being essentially, you know, top dog up front to then Ibrahimovic coming in. And I don't know how difficult that adjustment has been, but based on the evidence of that game, it doesn't look like it's been a problem at all. He did so well. It was great to see. But he seems to have... He, he We don't know him, but he seems to be an incredibly level-headed kid. He does. And if you think about it rationally, he's 18. And how many how many 18-year-olds would, would expect to be starting for Manchester United or Bayern Munich or, or whoever? You know, the, the, the accepted method of integrating young players is to do it is to do it gradually and you know Rashford's impact last season came completely out of the blue but I think that he will still get a lot of football this season and if he keeps you know making cameos like that then it will become very difficult for for Mourinho to leave him out and one of the wonderful things about him is is he's such a complete complete player you know, the goal, he, he he can score poachers' goals, but he's also wonderful on the ball. He can run with the ball, he can beat players. And so he, he's got the flexibility for Mourinho to think, well, I could play him as a wide right attacker or play him on the left or or, or wherever. He's such an intelligent footballer that he, he can be dangerous from whatever position in the pitch he plays. So I don't I don't think it's right that we, we should be thinking looking at the situation and saying it's Ibrahimovic or Rashford because I think Rashford can be accommodated in a number of positions. No, no, I, think I, I agree. As the season goes on, I think we will see... All of our forwards have got a lot of flexibility, if you think about it. Mkhitaryan can play all the way across the, the sort of attacking midfield roles. Martial can play up front or he can play left and I'm sure he could play right as well. So we've got, we've got players there who are adaptable and I think that it will just be a case of Mourinho mixing and matching depending on the opponents and, and the way he wants us to play. Yeah. So, and I think I think that the Allardyce um, explanation was a bit disingenuous on the basis that he, he picked people like Chris Smalling and Daniel Sturridge, neither of whom have really played much football this season either. Um, it didn't make any sense. And, and having watched the Slovakia game tonight, I know we won the, at the last, but the difference Rashford could have made to that game against 10 men coming on as a, as a sub would have been huge because there was nobody in that team who was able to to go past players and create something hmm. and that's really the thing that you saw in the in the uh, in the euros that against against Iceland when he came on that, that suddenly he was he was taking on and beating players and committing them and getting into the box in a way that England just hadn't done until that point and it it was you know, watching England is very, very reminiscent of Van Hal's United last year, and and Rashford is capable of having that same impact on that for England that he had for for United. So I don't think he's got anything to worry about, and I'm sure that Mourinho has been telling him and all the other players who aren't playing, and he, he keeps repeating it in public that they will be getting games when 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 the fixtures start piling up so sure well we've got seven now before the next international break which is going to be good to look forward yeah, to but absolutely. yeah before we move on to uh, chat about the derby the celebrations gosh that was wonderful you've, you've got rashford running into the crowd you've got eric by sliding across the ground and then jumping into the group you've got Mourinho on the sidelines shouting immediately at smalling to get stripped off whilst the bench goes nuts around him uh, I mean, it might sound like a simple thing to say, but incredible scenes. Absolutely adored that moment. It was, it was great. It's back to classic United, isn't it? The, you yeah, know, it the really last, was, yeah. the last gasp win, and the, you know, the fans going crazy, and the players bundling into the crowd, and you know, we've seen, we've seen quite a few of those. I think uh, someone was, was asking on, uh, on Twitter about um, sort of similar um, celebrations that we've seen, and I, I always think of the, um, the FA Cup game against Villa 
that we that we won three two, came back from two 0 down, and Van Nistelrooy scored the the late winner, and you know the fans were on the pitch and the players were in the in the uh, you know in in the crowd, and I was I was actually sat in with the Villa fans that day, so I was kind of sitting on my hands but gooning inside, um, and it was it was really like that, and that's what we that's the sort of thing we've become accustomed to, and that's what United has been about. It's been about taking a risk and you know getting that that reward you know kind of he he dares wins that you know that was how Fergie's teams often played and that's how we've gone back to playing now mm. and so it wasn't just that we'd scored a late winner in a game it was I think it, it felt like the United of old it felt like we've got it does feel like we've got our we've got our fear factor back we've got our presence back I think I think teams will start to be afraid of playing us again or have started to be afraid of playing us again whether that had been completely lost. I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how that sort of pans out going forward now because if we move on to chatting about the derby, as simplistic as it is to say, this is going to be a whole different, well, kettle of fish, isn't it? It's, uh, it, it's arguably the most difficult game that we've had so far this season and should really be a much better barometer of where this new team and where Mourinho has got them and how far along they are from their improvement from last year. I mean, looking at how uh, City have gone so far, and they've argued, you know, you know more up than down, uh, you know, looking at perhaps that sort of slightly dodgy performance against Sunderland aside, they mostly look quite good under Guardiola. So how do you look at the derby coming into that at Saturday lunchtime? Do you think we've got a good shot? I mean, in particular, I mean, sidestep, actually. The Aguero suspension. <laughs> I mean... Putting aside how wonderfully that has been met by the City fans, how big of a issue do you think that could be for City at the weekend? I think it's a very big issue. They've only got one other striker, and that's Iniacho. Um, you know, we know we know how good Aguero is. He's he's an absolutely world class striker. He's the best striker in the Premier League. He's absolutely fundamental to City's success or failure. Um, and you know, there have been people saying, "Oh, I'd rather play against." Against City's best team, I that's that's absolutely no. Frankly, that's absolutely bollocks. I, you know, I I think back to the um, the six one win over Arsenal. We had, God knows how long ago it was, where they had, you know, half a team missing, um, and we just absolutely pumped them. And nobody thinks, nobody thinks now. Yeah, we beat Arsenal's reserve six one. You think, yeah, we we stuffed Arsenal six one. It was really bloody good fun. And then the same in the A two five or six years ago. So. I, I really couldn't give a toss if Aguero's out. I think it's wonderful. Watching the incident, he he did elbow him in the throat. Well, um, not if you're Trevor Sinclair, of course, but still. <clears throat> well, exactly. But the extent of the bitterness about it is ridiculous. And the conspiracy theories that United somehow, you know, control the FA. And then and then all of the uh, the thing about the FA change, having United lifting the community <laughs> shield as, as their yeah. header and then... Oh, and then changing dear. it, and then changing it to England, the England badge after um, Aguero had been banned. It's like the F- it was England's first game since the FA Community Shield, the last competition that's that's under the Football Association. So they just they just changed the header to relate to the last FA event. It's just absolutely absurd. I mean, the guy the guy elbowed him in the throat, and if you look at it, he he thought about it and swung his arm. It wasn't. He wasn't just jumping with his elbows up. He did swing an arm at him. Absolutely, I agree with you. I think looking at that incident again, it's difficult to come away with any sort of notion that it was a complete accident. And you know, it was it was it Clattenburg. Clattenburg missed it, and fair enough. Yeah. You know, it was the right decision to ban him. You know, I, I think that that again, there's been calls about saying that you know United fans are inconsistent about this. But you know, we saw uh, was it Schweinsteiger against Winston Reid as well last season when they played West yeah. Ham. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. I was. I was hoping that, uh, looking at that, that they wouldn't ban him. But I could see why they did. You know, let's be consistent about it. But yeah, exactly. you know, I mean, Aguero is out, and that should be make it for a very interesting game. You know, there's there's a chance that Mkhitaryan could be out based on injury, having uh been taken off as a precaution in the uh, game that Armenia played on Friday. So that should be interesting to see how we deal with that. Luke Shaw's uh, been pulled out of the England squad to uh, what what was it as a precautionary measure? So that'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Valencia is not back until Friday from international duty, so I would guess that Damian would come in at right back, which would be interesting to see, because he's someone's been very much pushed to the sidelines over these mm. first few weeks of the season. So, and I'm sure Kev will be very happy to see him back in the side. Delighted, aren't you? Absolutely, I, yeah. I think the thing about this game is that apart from the the subplots with Mourinho against Guardiola, 
I had um, absolutely completely forgotten about that until you mentioned it. Well, yeah. I, I, Which I is think... weird because that's all everyone's been talking about. Well, exactly. For I'm sure that they absolutely hate each other's guts, and to win that game would be absolutely enormous for, for either of them. And mm. and in Spain, you know, Guardiola did have the a bit of an Indian sign over over Mourinho. He he beat him quite regularly, and ultimately Barcelona did come out of that on top. So for Mourinho, I imagine there's a huge issue of pride in wanting to sort of right that that historical wrong. Um, on the pitch, you know, neither side has been really tested yet. United have had a pretty soft start to the season as the fixtures go. We've we've we played Bournemouth, who I think are going to struggle this season. You know, on paper they do essentially have a a championship squad. Southampton just haven't got started at all with the, the changes they've made and under under Puel. You know, they gave us a decent game, but they haven't really performed very well in any of their games yet this season. And Hull, although they'd started very well and they're incredibly resilient, again, that's a that's a championship squad. So, we obviously we beat Leicester, but we haven't in a competitive, really competitive game played anybody of any substance yet. And I don't think that, that City have. I think their win at Stoke was very, very impressive. Although we don't really know quite know where Stoke are yet. But this, this for both sides, this is the first time that they've they faced another really strong side, mm. and I just think it could it could go either way. I think City missing Aguero is very important, but they've still got enough players in that that team that they can hurt us. But by the same token, you know we've got a, we've now got a lot of players who can hurt them as well. I, I suspect Shaw will play. It looks we, I've heard different things. One whether it's just a sort of precaution against a bit of a muscle tweak or if he, I think saw someone say that he was ill, either or, but I think Shaw will play. I suspect that Mourinho will pick um, Valencia if he possibly can. If he thinks he's come back and he's fresh enough to play, I think he'll play him. We don't really know what the status is with Mkhitaryan and would he start anyway, but we've got the tools there to beat them. We can beat City, but we just don't quite know where both sides are in their in their evolution. No, you're right. And you hit the nail on the head there. You know, I mean, I think the the big thing with this game is that you know this is going to be the fourth game of the league season. You can't really read too much into it, despite the fact that it's the two of the three teams that have won all three of their games along with Chelsea. So we're at this very early stage of the season, and I understand that you know that there's so much hype surrounding it, so many different subplots and so many narratives coming into it that it's very difficult not to get swept up in the intensity and excitement of it. And come Saturday lunchtime, I will be. I'll be nervous, I'll be excited. I'm really looking forward to the game. I think more than any derby that I can think of, I think that both teams are actually coming into it from a good place. And you think back to the derby at the Etihad last season where, you know, both City and United scrapping for fourth spot, having, you know, endured slightly awkward seasons. And, you know, again, that wasn't a game of high quality whatsoever. I think now, given how much things have changed for both teams in such a short space of time, it's going to be very interesting with that added caveat that we are so early into the season that even if things do go wrong, it'll be very difficult to draw sweeping conclusions from what we see. I think I think that game, the winner of that game will get a serious psychological boost. But as you say, losing it isn't the end of days. And I think it's just one of those games that whichever team turns up, whichever team, whichever manager gets their tactics right, um, their their team could win. And I'm still not convinced that we're, and I, probably Mourinho would say the same, that we are a work in progress. There are still areas of that team that need to be improved and next summer will be improved. But you could say the same in City as well. You know, City are a work in progress as well. And it's just a question of who's who's further down the line in that in that process at the moment i i think that both teams will be in the top three at least this season and so you know it's just it's just an early barometer of where each team is in their in their evolution this season but a defeat wouldn't be the end of the world but we can most definitely win if we get it right sure i mean we'll move on uh before we get to twitter questions a quick chat on one bastian Schweinsteiger who has been in uh Picked for United's Premier League squad for this season, but not for the Europa League one. And he also uh, retired from international duty for the German national side this week uh, in uh, what seemed to be a very emotional send-off. Uh, how do you read that situation at the moment, considering that we've gone past deadline day? Also, we didn't sign anyone, so we'd have to talk about that. Great. Yeah. Um, how do you view him 
staying at the club for the foreseeable future. Do you think there's any way back for him at this stage? No. Great. Bar- on. Barring an no, barring an absolutely almighty injury crisis, which I don't think will happen because you know Mourinho traditionally doesn't have huge injury crises. So it's very difficult because it's not nice. It can't be nice as a player to be frozen out to that degree. But how else does how else does a manager get a player out of a club that he doesn't want, who's earning absolutely huge wages, who says they don't want to leave and they're not going to want to leave yeah, voluntarily. Sure. I mean, both Eugene Wong and Andrew Dayton have asked us questions about him. So Andrew's was, how does the club deal with Bastian offering a lump sum to become a tennis husband to watch his wife lose in the second round? Bit harsh. She's not that bad as far as I know. But yeah, I mean, I think that, I think it was Kev and, uh, and Greg Johnson who were talking about it this week. And I think they've got a very good point that I hadn't really considered. And it's partly something because I just kind of didn't want to face the reality of it. He did join United and for the most part last season was not in good condition. And we've criticised other players who have come back to United or been in less than perfect physical condition. And I think that personally, I gave Bassi a bit of a free ride because I was enamoured with him as a person and a player and kind of in awe of the fact that he was coming to United but if you look at how that year went and how up for it and on the ball he seemed to be uh, for Germany when the Euros came round, I don't think it's particularly unfair to say that his priorities have been elsewhere over this year at United. It did feel like it did feel like at the end of the season that he was saving himself for the Euros. Mm. Um, whether that's true or not, you know, that's just, just an instinct. We don't. We've heard from several several different people that the squad weren't particularly enamoured with the way that he be constantly jumping on private yeah. jets back to I mean, Germany. I mean, absolutely can't blame them for that either, can you? No, but particularly if you've got a player who's had consistent injury problems, who isn't actually playing and performing on the pitch, if if it's then considered that they're not committing properly to um, to the club and to their rehab and their recovery, because, because all that travelling can't have been good for his injuries, and it, it doesn't suggest that he was completely focused on on getting fit, and it, and it did feel like in the, the the last couple of months of the season that he was saving himself to go to the Euros because he knew that would be his last international tournament, tournament for Germany. Mm. And it is it is very sad because it was it was a, a wonderfully romantic notion that, that we got Schweinsteiger, um, and that he was coming for this new challenge, and he, he's been such a wonderful player, and we all sort of consciously disregarded the noises that were coming out of Bayern and from Guardiola about his his physical condition and you know the fact that they were willing to sell him means you know really that they didn't feel that he was capable of performing consistently and staying fit at the, to the levels that they needed but but it was just such a romantic notion and so many of us have admired him for such a long time that that it was you know it was much like Falcao wasn't it really you know we <laughs> oh we yearn for the Falcao that we've seen that's absolutely the top of their top of his game and absolutely unstoppable yeah. and kind of well the... we really wanted to believe in the myths of these two players and what we actually got was something far different and whilst I still like the both of them as people uh, I think it's fair to say that neither of them distinguished themselves during their time at United I mean uh, the romantic in me kind of wants to see a way back for Schweinsteiger maybe he can pop in at some later stage of the season and do some good for us but at the same time, it, it's difficult having... Obviously, we haven't got all the ins and outs of the story because we never do. But it's difficult to really argue against the reasoning as to why this has happened, especially when you look at the players who are now ahead of him in pecking order. It's still a shame, but I think we've simply kind of got to move on with it. But, you know, football is a, is a cutthroat business and new managers discard and and phase out players that they, they've got all the time. And that's the nature of football. You know, ultimately, he's still going home with the best part of... 200 grand a week yeah um and it might be a little humiliating for him as a professional but that that is football and i presume that he was told by and that he wasn't going to have a particularly big role or as big a role as he would have liked and that that was that was why he left so i don't think we should feel we should feel too bad for him and ultimately he is going to end up going to the us or china or somewhere like that and, and earning an absolutely enormous amount of money while he plays out his last his last year so that's that's football it's, it's true, not very it's true. harsh and we wanted a manager that would make big decisions you know Moyes came in and was too afraid to upset anybody and 
Van Hal just seemed to be ambivalent about anything much at all. <laughs> and we, we wanted a manager to come in and do what Fergie did, which was to be absolutely ruthless and make hard decisions. And that's what Mourinho's done. No, fair enough. Rich, is your brain sharp? Are you ready for these questions? Absolutely. Razor sharp. Dave at Ole Ole United has got two for you. Is Dave yeah. Blind really Paolo Maldini wearing a mask? He's as, he's as devilishly handsome as Paolo Maldini, I think. He is. Or, I think, I think there's more of a, a, a boyish charm about, you know, boy band charm about Blind, but... But yeah, they both I, have they both have wonderful hair as well, don't they? Absolutely. That's true. That's tremendous true. hair. He is obviously Maldini's best best years for a left back. But I've had to eat my words a little on Blind, and so far he's been absolutely exceptional alongside Bailey. And I think part of that is because Bailey compliments him so well. He's got the pace and the physicality that, that Blind doesn't have, and so Blind can feel isn't doesn't get caught out as much for pace. And and he can use that wonderful passing range to 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 start attacks. And I think Mourinho's gone through that same process as well of, of thinking, I don't know what to do with this guy. I'm not sure I want him, and potentially making him available for sale. Then, as he's seen him play, realised that he has does have a lot to offer um, at centre back. He wouldn't he wouldn't surprise me if next summer we bought another centre back. But I think he he's now likely to be the the first choice uh, centre back alongside alongside Bailey. And, you think of the alternative. The alternative is Chris Smalling. Who? Yeah. Well, Dave's second question is how does Chris Smalling fit in now? I, I personally think. Well, I'm that... not sure he does. No, no, exactly. I, I think that uh, because the Ivory Coast qualified for the African Cup of Nations starting in January, I think that you know if this continues, in terms of the big Premier League games and weekend games in particular, Smalling might have to make do with a reduced role for the time being. If this continues, if the the consistency and these impressive performances that these two are putting together as a partnership then i don't think you want to upset that apple cart vikash patil asks wayne rooney to start the derby yay or nay i mean is that our decision no i think he i think he will start the derby he he will i'd agree with that one yeah, yeah. Uh, rick at king kyle asks does Mourinho know his best 11 yet no no i don't think he does particularly in the attacking areas i think he knows what he wants in midfield and in, in the back four but but not in those sort of front front four. No, I agree. I, th- I think you also look at uh, Valencia at right back and maybe that could improve at some stage, despite how good he has been so far. You know, the, the partnership of Bayern Burns has done very well. I think Valencia's done well so far as well, but you can still see a couple of tweaks being made here and there to what we've seen so far in the first three league games. Uh, Peter Porker at the boys' slide asks, who comes in for Fellaini against City? Uh, we ran a poll on this, and most people went for Schneiderlin over Herrera and Carrick. What do you reckon, Rich? I think if you want someone to play that same role, then Schneiderlin is, is best suited to do that. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Carrick came in, but if, you, if you're looking for as like-for-like like as you can possibly get, then Schneiderlin's the obvious, the obvious choice to do that. Yeah. Uh, Peter's got another one, uh, which is, hmm, could you see Smalling and Bay working as a partnership? Who would be the covering defender? Um, no, I couldn't see it working as to the extent that it works with Blind. You know, Smalling's one of Smalling's biggest problems is his distribution and his concentration, and they're, two they're rather two... key things for a defender. To <laughs> well, be yeah, fair. no, exactly. But they're they're two things that, that, that Blind has, and that that partnership works so well. I I don't think a partnership of Bailey and Smalling would be as effective. But Smalling's not, you know, not a bad centre-back to have as your first choice reserve. The uh, Twitter page for Austin Reds, hello guys, hope you're all well over in Austin, asks, uh, does Mkhitaryan start against City in place of Matter? I mean, again, I'm not necessarily sure he would, but is that something you'd like to see on Saturday? If he's fit, I'd love to see Mkhitaryan start. I I still think that Mourinho favours him. It feels that he's best in that number 10 position. But but yeah, I would. If if, if it were down to me and they were both fit, I, I would start Mkhitaryan on the right-hand side. Yeah. Andrew Dayton's come back with another question, Rich. Gosh, you three of you with with two questions. What so fast and loose to the rule, guys? I, I absolutely adore it. And Andrew has uh, brought us back onto another wonderful topic of conversation. You ready for this one? Go for it. When will Rooney be shown the door? I, I, I don't know. I do. I do. What are you this, trying to do to us, Andrew? I know. I do have this theory that the Mourinho's kind of letting him hang himself, or giving him the opportunity to hang himself, because I think sort of politically. United aren't a hugely political club, but I, it would have been very difficult to come in and immediately drop Wayne Rooney. So I think mm. he had to play him, and then 
if he didn't perform or doesn't perform, then you can say, look, I played him and he didn't perform, and I've got this guy called Mikitarin who's actually really pretty good. Sure. I mean, uh, RP at Spoke78 also asks, is it possible that he's got a must-play a fit clause in his contract? I don't think it's that. No. I think it's more the influence at the club and the fact that he's so you know, well thought of and also uh, in particular because he is such an integral part to United as a brand. I, I don't think that's all there is to it, and I'm sure there is more. The dressing room as well. I think he's a big presence in the dressing room, and I, and I think it would cause some problems if he were to be dropped. Sure. I think that, 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 yeah, that political aspect is certainly a part of it. I think... I mean, Dan Harris kind of nailed it for me. I'm paraphrasing a little bit from the tweet that he put out last weekend, but he essentially mentioned that Rooney has not been particularly great these three league games, but he scored a goal, one great cross for Ibrahimovic's header, and then set up Rashford. So if we're looking at key moments, his all-round performances have not been great, but he keeps providing those moments. If that keeps happening, he's going to be in that team. Well, that's the, that's the dilemma I talked about earlier, wasn't it? It's, it's does the overall... Um, does his overall play the negative impact of that? Is it is it outweighed by the by the the goal creation or scoring that he offers? And the question is, can Mkhitaryan do that as well? Because mm. you know potentially your player could play there and create and score goals. So you know, but at the moment it's not really clear what the right thing to do would be. Sure. Just to, just to leave on a slightly uh, more upbeat note, Rich, give me a score prediction for Saturday night, please. Saturday oh, afternoon. Oh, oh, I'll go. United. I'm going to go 3-2. I think it's going to be a rip-roaring afternoon. I'm very much looking forward to it. Rich, thank you very much for your company this evening. Guys, thank you very much for listening. As always, it is hugely appreciated. Don't forget, uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, you can get me at at Ewan Leonard. You can get Rich at uh, where, Rich? At RichardCan76. Thank you very much. Don't forget, you can also uh, pop over to our blog, which has got some half-decent writing, if I say so myself, at uh, redvoicesmufc.wordpress.com. And if you don't want to write that down and you can't remember it, you can just head over to our Twitter page, at redvoicesmufc. The link is on there. This week at the moment, we have got uh, a piece that I wrote on enjoying Juan Mata. So a wonderful piece for all you Mata fans. Uh, Paul will be cooking something up this week as well, which will be on very, very soon. And that's pretty much it. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week and we'll be back next weekend after the derby. Cheerio. Cheerio.